At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. I'm Kenzie Wilbur. This is Food 52's Burnt Toasts, and today, one of my favorite episodes from the archives, the one we did on wedding toasts. That might sound kind of crazy to you, but I'm already seeing wedding promotions rolling into my inbox. And besides, the stories in this episode of Toast Gone So Terribly Wrong and Toast for the History Books are so heartwarming, I'm hoping the season doesn't matter. And this is our very last rerun. Next time, we'll be back with our brand new season. For new listeners, our new season starts on March 9th, we can't wait to share it with you. A few weeks ago, I watched my very close friend and colleague, Kristen, walk down the aisle to Elton John's Love Lies Bleeding. It was an inappropriate wedding song, and that's exactly what made it perfect. And the vows were unconventional in just the right way, too. They acknowledged the struggles of love rather than pretending they don't exist. It was all beautiful. At dinner, I sat across from my friend, Marion. I was seated at dinner with some other Food 52 people and Kristen came up to me and said, do you think that you could make a speech in like 10 minutes? I'm Kenzie Wilbur. This is Food 52's Burnt Toast. And today's episode is devoted to the art of the wedding toast, which as we learned that day can be a little slapdash. Marion, by the way, said yes. I said sure because... I love attention and doing things at the last minute, and I had had probably three glasses of wine, and I was just, I was, I was ready to pitch in where I was needed. And it came off without a hitch. The speech was great. I just sort of talked about uh, what Kristen means to me and all the things that she's done for me, and I think at some point I called both of them Stone Cold Weirdos, which Kristen really liked, um, but I don't think I used any like really bad R-rated swear words. And I also talked about, and I wouldn't recommend this, but I talked about how I went to one wedding a year ago and all of the speeches were just like people puking rainbows, uh, and I didn't like that. So I kind of talked about how... Kristen and Mike are people who, like, recognize that relationships are difficult and they've, like, you know, powered through that and come out the other side. Um, but it was very off the cuff. I'm not sure I would recommend it, but it was very fun. And if you're really into adrenaline, it's a really great, like, extreme sport for wedding guests. Um, but I would definitely recommend drinking beforehand. Maybe you're not into extreme sports, and writing and delivering a wedding speech within the same 10 minutes sounds like torture. Or maybe you're an old pro, the one every bride asks to stand up. Maybe you've heard enough toasts to comprise a small novel, a small, very cringeworthy novel. Coming up, 
We'll hear stories from wedding guests in every one of these scenarios. It's June, and that means we're smack in the middle of wedding season. It's sunny and romantic, but it's also a little odd. The nights we create to honor a very real and married life ahead aren't actually anything like real life at all. They're a dream world, with hundreds of flowers and coarse dinners and choreographed dances. They're full of people professing 20 years of pent-up love and, like Marion said, puking rainbows. It also makes public speakers out of many people who were never meant to address a crowd. And this is the thing I think about most when wedding season rolls around. The wedding toast. What if no one laughs at your jokes? Or worse, what if you forget the punchline? What if you forgot to write the punchline? What if people whisper and eat the salad course while you're delivering your best memories to the married couple? What if, even though you practice 15 times, you still mess up the words? I was, I was doing great. I made it through the entire speech perfectly until I got to the very last line. And what I meant to say was, to Julie and Lester and to a wonderful life together. But what came out was to Julie and Lester and to a wonderful night together. And then I immediately like caught myself and said, life, life, I meant life, to a wonderful life together. But uh, it was way too late. The entire, the entire tent just erupted in laughter. And, and I just froze and I looked at my sister and she was completely stone-faced and and the horror i felt of embarrassing her embarrassing me i just wanted to vomit in my shoes the internet will tell you across many poorly built and designed websites the first red flag that the custom of clinking glasses or toasting comes from former enemies breaking bread some of one person's wine would spill into the cup of another person's wine thus signaling that we're all friends here and no one had poisoned the drink as a quick side note, I'm choosing to move past the fact that, theoretically, yes, they both could be drinking poisoned wine at this point. But that's a myth. Legend also says that people used to place a piece of toast into jugs of wine to help soak up some of the acidity. I even found that burnt toast was used. And if we're voting on a myth to adopt, I think you know which is my pick. The truth is it's hard to say. The practice of offering a drink in honor of someone or something probably began prehistory. Either that or the historians were too drunk to remember. What we do know is that the wedding toast, as we've come to give it, is always a little jaunty, a little affectionate. You crack a few jokes, tell the bride and groom how great they are together, wish them well, and then you tell everyone to put their drinks in the air. Let's raise our glasses, whatever we got in front of us. Salute. Raise your glasses to the couple of the decade. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't raise your glasses, the adorable couple. Adorable. But it's also known, however, to go completely off the rails. So my good friend um, was getting married to her longtime boyfriend. Uh, my good friend is incredibly free-spirited, tattoos all over. She's an artist. Piercings is just you know, just an open book. Her life's an open book. She, you know, is very open with her emotions and her feelings. Doesn't hold anything back. And she was marrying into a family who was kind of the exact opposite. They were incredibly buttoned up. You would think that, you know, they came over on the Mayflower, um, you know, because their religion was 
too uptight for the British, basically. Like, they're, they're very buttoned-up people. They sit rigidly and eat their, you know, soup. Anyway, uh, so we're at the reception, and my friend proceeds to get very drunk. You know, she's had, like, six or seven drinks, and she's, like, weaving around and hugging everybody, and everyone's having a wonderful time, and it's this, like, small reception, this, like, beautiful little restaurant, and there's maybe, like, you know, 50 people in the room. And people start to clink their glasses and looking up at my friend. The whole room's clinking. And they're saying, speech, 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 give a speech. And so my friend looks out of the room, and everyone stops clinking their glasses, and it's dead silent, and they're waiting to hear what she's going to say. And she's kind of weaving back and forth and holding on to one chair for balance. And she looks out in the room, and then she looks at her husband, and she says, later tonight we're going to be boning. <laughs> <laughs> and I look over at the groom's mother and she is ashen like the blood just drains from her face and you can tell she's thinking like oh my god who have we let into the family like what like who is this person that's going to turn our world upside down you reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans but in the kitchen how well do you care for your greatest tool your hands when mine take a beating cooking and cleaning which is often i use bag bomb to work its wonders on my poor distressed skin created 125 years ago on a vermont dairy farm their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture and their fast absorbing lotion means i can quickly get back to cooking treat your hard-working hands to bag bomb every chef's best friend use code food 52 for 20 percent off your order on bagbomb.com good through 2024 we ask for some of your best and worst wedding toasts as speech deliverers and as spectators. Let these serve as examples of what to do, what not to do, what not to even think of doing. We'll start with disproving a tenant of the wedding toast rules we published on our very own site, that it's a toast, not a roast. If I've learned anything from listening to the clips you've sent in, it's that sometimes the crowd just really loves a good roast. So I first met Julia about 10 years ago, uh, working at the Hotel Union, and I fell in love with her almost immediately. She was so funny, so kind, and had this like magical ability to make you do some weird thing she wanted to do, and then make you think you actually liked it. <laughs> so every day she would come to my cubicle and ask me if I want to go out with her to get tasty D fast free, excuse me, fat free ice cream and a diet lemonade. <laughs> and of course I didn't want to go with her. That is disgusting. Um, Julie responsible was responsible for some of the best memories of all of our 20s. Like the time she made us dress up like dead mermaids and walk in a hundred degree heat in a parade in Coney Island wearing nothing but titty tassels and makeup that gave her face the appearance of gonorrhea. <laughs> there was also the time she poured fake blood all over strangers at a bar and the time she convinced one of her friends to give her a driving lesson but then when she got in his car admitted that she lied that she didn't want to learn at all but instead wanted him to drive her to McDonald's to get her a chocolate milkshake you know years ago when I went through a breakup I've been to um, I went to friend after friend and they all say the same thing they're like Heather, you're beautiful, there's nothing wrong with you, don't change. 
which is a very like sweet thing to say, but also a little a bit empty. So instead, for real advice, I went to Julia, and she said, Heather, you're beautiful, there's nothing wrong with you, so let's talk about your glasses. <laughs> and she said, this was two weeks after a breakup. She said, your glasses, they don't have, they subtract. <laughs> so, um, so, some people might call that cool. I call that tough love. Um, she forced me into hot new glasses, and it changed my game forever. <laughs> But let's be clear, a roast is nothing without its punchline. At my sister's wedding, the groom's brother just kept insulting the groom. I think he thought he was doing the endearing, playful, ribbing thing, but he never turned it around into something good. There was no heartwarming punchline. So it was just, Chris snores a lot. It was really annoying when we shared a room as kids. And... I remember when we were little and he would beat me up. I'd have bruises for days. The groom sat there and smiled uncomfortably. It was even worse because I'd just given a really amazing maid of honor speech, in my humble opinion. I felt bad for him. It was clearly the first speech he'd ever given. There's so much pressure on these wedding toasts. I once made a wedding toast that I thought was hilarious, but in retrospect, it probably wasn't. It was at my sister's wedding. I don't remember it verbatim, but I do remember that I brought up that my sister had been with a lot of dudes before she met my brother-in-law. And I definitely mentioned that our nickname for her was Predator Drone, and that she could count the amount of boyfriends she's had on more than two hands. I also pointed out that we knew her now husband was special because he was the first guy she had dated that she didn't immediately want to marry after the first date. There was some laughter, but mostly people talked through my whole speech. I was annoyed because in my mind, it was my time to shine. I was about to start calling people out, but I I held it together. Fortunately, my sister did not have a videographer. Or maybe you feel like audience participation is lacking in wedding toasts. Good news. You can be that change. Raise your hand if she's edited your resume. <laughs> <laughs> Raise your hand if she's helped you with some form of government paperwork. <laughs> Raise your hand if she's helped you manage the aftermath of an awkward sexual situation. <laughs> Raise your hand if she's recommended the ideal fad diet for your lifestyle. (laughs) Or it's your sister's wedding, and you can't speak without sobbing. The lesson here, if you start crying, cut to the joke. Louisa has held my hand through every major milestone in my life. And without even trying, she has taught me how to be a friend, student, daughter, and she has helped me become someone that I am proud to be. Louisa, I admire your drive compassion, love, and understanding for everything and everyone. When I feel caught up in the materialistic world of high-priced mascaras and $300 $300 face creams, I know it will always be the anger that brings me back to what I Whatever you do, know your audience. And I can't stress this one enough. 
This next story is what could happen if you don't. Uh, I was at a wedding once, and the maid of honor got up and told what started as a lovely, heartfelt story about going to college with the bride. Uh, But then she talked about this time when she and the bride went to Thailand. Uh, One night, they met these two guys, and they had a great night talking to them in broken English. Uh, but then they discovered these guys were prostitutes, okay, and they had to hightail it out of there. She also mentioned that they might have been a little stoned at the time. Uh, and now, for for most people, this would have been a slightly embarrassing college story. But the bride was from this strict Christian family from China, and the groom's family was from the Bible Belt. So the room fell into a hushed silence during all of this. Uh, Anyway, the maid of honor finished her story with a couple of other light anecdotes about what an amazing friend and person the bride was. Uh, But she was oblivious uh, to the fact that no one was really listening to that part. They were all just staring at the bride who was in tears Uh, Her parents obviously didn't know about the run-in with the prostitutes or the weed smoking in Thailand. Uh, Her father was fuming. Her mom was crying. The bride was just shaking her head and mouthing no, no, no over and over. Uh, The crowd, which was about 100 people, didn't clap. Uh, A small contingent of her college friends tried to get a clap going. It did not catch on. Uh, So finally, the maid of honor realized what had happened and just kind of shrunk into herself and then fled the scene. She just left. Uh, It was devastating for the family. And to my knowledge, the bride and the maid of honor haven't spoken since. This next one is from Michael Schaefer, who gave a speech at a wedding as best man. He introduces himself, thanks people for coming, another very common wedding speech trope, and he gives a few light jabs to the groom. And then he goes somewhere many speeches don't. So my personal connection to Brian and Louisa runs really deep, actually. I've known Brian since we were two years old, when we became friends at the Larchmont Jamboree together. <laughs> He was a bit of a wild boy back then, if you could believe it. And I remember when we were about four years old, how he would just swing like a maniac from the monkey bars while the rest of us were too scared to even try. He was a little crazy and a bit of a danger, but always fun to be around. That is when he wasn't biting me. He was happening a lot back then. It's okay. We, we move on. So, it took a while. It took a while, yeah. But he was five. Louisa and I, uh, on the other hand, met in our fourth grade class with Mrs. Waldman. She was sweet, smart, and driven. And I remember her as the dedicated COO of our school store. For the record, she was an elected CEO. Our CEO is actually here tonight. He will remain nameless. But to this day, I know. As a testament to Louise's drive, uh, this subject is, is still taboo in, in, in the Irving household. Louise is still demanding a recount. Anyhow, I found her fourth grade charm to be incredibly endearing. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. And she was admittedly my first crush. 
Louisa, is this, I think this is about to get awkward. <laughs> this story is like 15 years in the making though, and it has to be told today. <laughs> so for Valentine's Day, I wrote her a letter. <laughs> and delivered to her house a yellow rose as a sign of my affection. <laughs> I spoke with Mrs. Irvin briefly, briefly, but Louisa never came to the door that day. <laughs> so with a, with my first crush came my first bit of rejection. So it was a learning experience, so I appreciate that. Okay. I'm the last one, I swear, I'm sorry. This last one, which we almost had to close the show with, is from Rose Reed. She's a producer at Gimlet for the podcast Sampler and was the maid of honor at her sister's wedding. And I love it not only because it's an example of a really good toast, it's concise, it plucks all the right heartstrings, and it's interactive, but I almost love it more for what happens right after she finishes. Uh, I'm the maid of honor. I did a lot of research to prepare for this. I feel bad for my employers paying for hours of me watching YouTube videos of people <laughs> singing Taylor Swift parodies. Um, to spare you all and to um, save myself from future embarrassment, I will not sing for you. Uh, I'm sorry, Sam. Um, but I've thought of good things to say that would go into song. Uh, so uh, when I first met Soul uh, as a sister, like, what is this dude's intention? I'm, you know, skeptical, and I'm myself. I can't help it. Uh, there's three things about Sewell I like to share with people that I've learned about him. One, he's a morning person, which is the only person in our nuclear family now who is. <laughs> Number two, he is an incredible listener. He not only hears what you're saying, but he also observes what you're not saying. Sometimes I'm in a, you know, around my entire family, and I feel like he's the only person who really uh, and truly picks up on those, like, nuances. And so I've always wanted a brother, and I'm very lucky to have one like that. And, and number three, he is the only person, man, who has made me feel okay about my enormous forehead. I forget. <laughs> I actually don't really know how big my forehead is until I saw a profile picture that he, uh, like, profile like this, that he took of me, and I was like, oh my god, like, delete it, delete it, I didn't even know, and he assured me, saying, Rose, you don't realize this, but it just looks like everywhere you go, you're going really, really fast. <laughs> like this humor and really ultimately this kindness and the tenderness that we keep talking about that has made him such a great partner for my sister. Aww. It's not the uh, Speaking of easiness, uh, I want to talk about siblinghood and I think many of us can relate that having a sibling is the most connected relationship you can have but also the most complicated and the most exasperating. <laughs> 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 this is my agent and this is my lawyer. So. If you didn't hear that, my grandma said I used to beat the shit out of her. Some people like to show the best in people and my grandma likes to show the dynamism of everybody. Um, siblings, uh, my sister and I are a year apart and so every milestone that I've ever gone through, my sister went through after me and only a year after me. 
So this wedding, this marriage, is really the first milestone that she has gone before me. And I feel very lucky to have seen her do that. And it has been a really beautiful process. And I have to say that I've watched you plan a wedding and plan a future with a grace and a confidence that I can only hope to have. Now this is um, this is what I know from my this is like the bridge of the you you know YouTube Taylor Swift video. I'm supposed to like <laughs> offer advice um, or tell a story, and um, I'm going to skip both <laughs> because my sister doesn't want any fucking advice. <laughs> My grandma is approving this part of my speech. Um, instead of advice, I can only say that I'm here today with a love and support that I will be with, I hope to be for you always. And so uh, I'd like to have everyone hold out their hands like this. What Rose is asking everyone to do right now in this moment is to hold both palms up. It's something she saw a pastor do in New Orleans. The effect at this wedding was the 80 people she was closest to literally opened palm to her and her family. Joseph Sowell and Sam took vows today to promise to be there for each other and trials and tribulations and celebrations. We know that marriage is not just a wedding day. It's not one day, but it's a bond with the community. And we're glad to be here to support you and love you, but we're also here. The hands that you look at are the community. They're going to be there for you for the hard times, the good times, and the times that you need them. So when you feel like you're alone, remember that marriage is not a solo act and that this is your community and we want to be here with you just as we are today on your first journey of the rest of your lives. And let's raise a glass. Sam and Soul, hopefully you need no more advice. Mazel tov. the greatest. I love you very much. I love you, Grandma. Are you crying? Oh, I love you, Grandpa. I love you. That, right there. That's what I mean. Rose sits back down after a speech, and her grandma and grandpa tell her they love her. The best wedding toasts, roast or not, Secret feelings for the bride or not. And honestly, if you can make it work without a punchline, all the more power to you. But the best toasts make us think outside of just the love shared between the people getting married that day. Maybe you shouldn't puke rainbows, and we'd recommend fewer than three glasses of wine before you stand up to speak. But if you can do that one thing, you've got it right. And that is it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Thanks to my producer, Kristen Meinzer. And also to Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks to everyone who shared a story. Many of you asked to remain nameless, but I do have permission to thank Andrew, Marion, Caroline, Christina, Joey, Heather, Sasha, and Michael. Thanks also to Rose and her sister Samantha, and her sweet, sweet grandparents Norman and Irene. Here's to all of you. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Food52, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening.